Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Dan Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Melbourne, Australia. We're heading down under this weekend for UFC 243 in an exciting main event between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker to unify those middleweight titles. We are going to be talking about that fight as well as our two favorite fights on the card in our favorite segment, Three Fights, One Parlay and One Dog, where we'll be giving you a breakdown of the first three fights plus our favorite parlay to play on the card, and our favorite underdog. So make sure to check that out. And before checking that out, make sure you check out our interviews with two of the fighters on the card. We're going to be talking to Jake Matthews about what it means to be fighting after having his daughter. And we'll be talking about Jorgen DeCastro heading halfway across the globe to make his UFC debut in his opponent's backyard. So that's an exciting one as well. Make sure to check out both those interviews. And before you get to any of that content, i got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA is brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama film about the beauty in the violence of the sport that we love so much, MMA. That's right, an MMA film. We've always been asking for more MMA films. And this one is really special. And it's really special for a very simple reason. It's that the people making the movie actually know MMA, which you're never going to find out there, right? But here we got a director and a lead actor who not only are fans of MMA, but they also train regularly. So the MMA will look more realistic than ever. I'm personally really excited about it. And if you're excited about it too, you can help support the project on their Indiegogo campaign. So you're just going to go to Indiegogo.com and you're going to search for a story about a fight. And if, if you don't want to use the search engine, you can also check out our pinned tweet on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, or you can check out their Twitter account, at A Story A Fight. Okay, A Story About A Fight from Rumination Films brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. <laughs> Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Jake Matthews, who fights Rostam Achman at UFC 243 in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Jake, you know, this is the first fight you've had since having your daughter, Alani. Uh, how has your life changed since the last time that we saw you in the cage? Uh, not too much, actually. You know, I, I still I still get out and train every day, get as many sessions as I always have. Um, you know, obviously the motivation is... is, is you know, tenfold now I've got a daughter. So, um, you know, and being the first time, you know, first fight since I've had my daughter, hopefully, you know, we're going to see that motivation in the octagon. But, um, yeah, apart from that, you know, still training hard. Everything's the same. I just go home and I have a daughter there now. Absolutely. And now you, you mentioned, you know, it's been a little while since you've been in the cage. It's been 10 months since we got to see you in the octagon. Have we seen a lot of development? Do you feel like there's something new that we might see this time in the cage that we didn't see last time? Yeah, I think uh, I've, I've I've changed my um my camp around a little bit, and um you know I've I'm with a new jiu-jitsu team now, um just just sort of lifestyle you know for lifestyle reasons uh, I'm still good with my old coach just you know and um just this new team though just they're all they're all animals everyone's there everyone's you know an active competitor with you know any given session there's at least ten black belts on the mat um and they all want to you know they're all trying to take each other's heads off you know but it's still in a respectful way but. I think you'll just see, you know, a different level of grappling for me now. Um, my striking is always improving every fight, so so that'll be no different. But um, but yeah, I think just just my my control and and um, my composure in my wrestling is, is been the biggest difference. I think. 
And, and you said, you know, you did it somewhat for lifestyle reasons, but also, you know, obviously you had a submission loss your last time out. Did that drive you to, to spend more time in jiu-jitsu or to be working on your jiu-jitsu? Uh, a, a little bit. It's just the, the, that, that sub was more was more from my um from his, from his low calf kicks. He actually smashed my calf up really bad. Um, and I just couldn't I couldn't get up off the floor after you land that last calf kick. So so props to, to Tony Martin. That was a good game plan. And um and yeah, that last kick just just sort of killed my leg, and I couldn't get up off the ground. But um you know in the early in the first round, I felt like I hadn't covered on the floor. Um you know obviously went for that guillotine. He ended up in top in half guard, and I swept him fairly easily. So you know so the the, the idea was to try and take him down in that third round, but um he just landed that kick before I get the takedown. So. And yeah, just got stuck on the floor and um, probably a little bit complacent and just settled for for, for a couple of seconds and he, he snatched up that choke. But um, but you know, I'm always looking to improve my, gra- my my ground game. I think that's my my bread and butter. So I've sort of I sort of neglected that in the last couple of fights, trying to trying to showcase my stand up. But I think you know this fight I'll have a you know I'll have a, a good a good mix of everything. And let's talk about this fight coming up too, because you know you keep mentioning it. You're you're three and one at welterweight since you've returned to the division. Here you are getting a, a newcomer sort of to the division, a guy who's only 0-1. Was that sort of due to taking a step back after having the time off, or, or was this sort of just the only name they could get you uh, to be on this, like, historic Australian card? Uh, that's that's the name they gave me. We we um we were asking for, you know, they put in for Diego Sanchez, Carlos Condit, Mickey Gall, um, which we all will. You know, for whatever reason, they said no, and then um, Mickey Gall and Carlos come now fighting each other, which is a bit annoying. But um, but now I'm, you know, whoever I get in the UFC, I'm I'm not the type of fighter who who gets complacent because I'm not fighting a you know a higher ranked guy. Um, people are in the UFC for a reason. They're, everyone's tough. Um, there's no easy fights in the UFC. And um, you know, at the end of the day, if I if I can step in there, get a good win, doesn't matter who it's against, uh, it's a big accomplishment for myself. So yeah, I don't I don't really look too much into who I'm fighting. Um. I just I just look at the fight as a whole, and you know, it's a fight in the UFC, and I'm, I'm grateful to be able to, to be here. So, yeah, I'm not getting I'm not getting too caught up in in you know in fighting the top ranked guys and fighting big name guys. Um, it's all the same to me. Makes sense. And and now let's talk about the matchup with Rostam because you know he is like you said a tough guy in his debut. He he looked real tough and, and certainly game in there. How do you like this matchup with him? Do you think that you uh, sort of outmatch him on the mat? Oh yeah, look, yeah, with, with all respect to him, I think I think I, you know, I outmatch him in, in all aspects. Um, what he's got going for him is he, he likes to come forward a lot and put a lot of pressure. Um, you know, but I'm 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 fit. You know, I've I've had you know I've had three round fights before, pushed hard the whole fight. I've had, I've got two fight of the night bonuses, so I can obviously, you know, I can obviously show resolve for the whole three rounds and go hard. So um, but you know, I'm obviously always looking to finish the fight early. But um, like I said, he's tough and resilient, so. So I'm ready for for a three round battle, but um, you know, we're going in there with, with the hopes of trying to finish it early. Yeah, we'd like to see you finish it early, and probably so with the Australian fans. And, and I kind of wanted to ask about that because you got the home field advantage again here in this fight, and pretty much you have in in all of your fights. I mean, you've had one fight in Singapore, New Zealand, which obviously isn't that far away, and then you had the one bout with Kevin Lee in Vegas. But for the vast majority of your fights in the UFC, you've been fighting in Australia. Is that something you ask for, or is that something that just seems to keep happening to you based on what the UFC wants? Yeah, it just it just seems to keep happening. I mean, um, I was offered a, a fight earlier in 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 the states in Minnesota, but it was about three weeks after my daughter was born, and I, I hadn't been training, um, so I obviously couldn't take that fight. But um, but yeah, it's just when the Aussie cards come up, they 
you know, they always tend to give me a match up and uh, I'm not going to complain, you know, it's good. I can, all my friends and family can come and watch, um, you know, I can spend more time at home, um, you know, get all my training done at home, don't have to worry about acclimatising and, and, and long-haul flights. So, you know, I'm not complaining. Obviously, when the time comes to step up and start fighting the, the higher-ranked guys, then I'll, you know, I'll need to go overseas and, and, and we'll, you know, we'll take care of that when, um, when that time comes. But, you know, like I said, I'm not complaining. And you mentioned having family and friends at the fight. I mean, your daughter is only about 10 months old. Are we going to see uh, your daughter in the stadium like uh, Cowboy Cerrone? Uh, probably, not, probably not for this one. Might be a little bit too loud for her. But hopefully the next one when she's up and walking around, we'll, we'll get her along to the fight. But um, but my girlfriend will be there. You know, all my family, all my friends. It's probably going to be, yeah, all my teammates, probably hundreds and hundreds of people. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to be loud and it's going gonna, it's gonna to pump me up. Well, and it's going to be an exciting night, too. Before we let you go, I had to ask you, you know, it's a big night for Australian and New Zealand MMA with the Izzy uh, versus Whitaker fight to unify the middleweight title. It's main eventing the whole thing. What do you think of that matchup, and how do you see that one going? I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup in terms of, you know, just showcasing Australia and New Zealand martial arts. You know, I hope, I hope it doesn't, you know, sort of create a divide between Australian and New Zealand fans. You know, we, we've always been, it's always been the Anzac takeover and we've always been the Anzacs. I hope it doesn't separate now and become New Zealand and Australia. Um, so I hope, you know, obviously, you know, Rob and Izzy are going to do their thing. They're going to hype the fight up. They're going to talk. I just hope the fans can understand that it's just hype and not get caught into it. And, and yeah, hope, hopefully we don't see a wedge get, you know, jammed in between Australia and New Zealand and we can still be, you know, that, that Anzac team that we've always been. Um, and in terms of the fight, I'm not just saying this because I know both the guys and I, you know, um, I know them pretty well, actually, but I actually cannot pick who's going to win this. Um, obviously, it'd be good to see, you know, to see Rob keep the title and have an Aussie win. Um, you know, I'd be just as happy if Izzy got the win, but, yeah, I honestly can't pick who's going to win this one. So I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. You know, if people have been asking me who should I bet on, I said, honestly, I don't want you to lose any money, so I can't, <laughs> I can't pick. And normally I'm, normally I'm pretty good at picking, but this one I'm just going to have to wait and see. So you gets it. Well, maybe we should encourage all of your friends to bet on you instead. Because uh, once again, this is Jake Matthews who fights Rostin Ackman at UFC 243 in Melbourne, Australia. Jake, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No, thank you. I appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Jorgen DeCastro, who fights Justin Taffa at UFC 243 this upcoming weekend. So, Jorgen, I know you were born in Cape Verde. When was it that you made the move to the U.S.? And sort of what was the reason behind that move? Yeah, uh, first of all, I moved to I moved to from Cape Verde to Portugal. So to I mean, of course, to looking for better life and and and, uh, and more opportunities. But then from from Portugal, I started to do kickbox and and wasn't. I was doing kickbox, but I wasn't going nowhere. So my uncle and all my my mother, and all my family was here in the, in America. So I moved down here, chased the dream, you know, with a with a hope that one day I could I could make big, and and, and thank God it happened right now. And, and did you say so? You started obviously as a kickboxer. Did you move to the U.S. thinking you might change to MMA, or did you move to the U.S. thinking about like a dream as a kickboxer? Yeah, my dream was kickboxing. Was never an MMA. But then when I moved out here, I was I was living in Brockton, and my uncle was connected with with losing MMA, so he brought me there, and and I started to do kickboxing and 
they they make me do jujitsu wrestling and after six months I was already doing my my MMA debut. And, and so you said you started with Lozon and, and doing jujitsu, and I, I can imagine he wants you doing jujitsu because he's a a hell of a jujitsu star in his own right. Uh, out of curiosity, you know, you know, you stuck sort of with the kickboxing style, but how quickly did you take to jujitsu? So how quickly did what? I didn't get how, how quickly did you take to jujitsu? How quickly did you like pick up the the style of jujitsu? Oh, I hated it. At the at the beginning, I hated it. I was uh, I gotta get it home in pain. All my body was hurt. And I said, "Wow, what what the hell is this?" I mean, I rather do two hours of kickbox than do like half hour of jujitsu. <laughs> but but <laughs> there's all different game right there. But I mean, my jujitsu is not that bad. I mean, I can defend. I can defend the submissions. I can I can get up. I can get on my feet. But but I mean, uh, at the beginning it was was really tough. And you're right, you, you can get up and you, you can seem to defend the takedown, too, because that seems to be your prominent style, especially if you saw the fight on the Contender Series. And for those of you who didn't, I suggest you go back and watch. But, you know, you fought a, a really incredible wrestler. You were able to stuff his takedowns multiple times. Has, has that sort of been the, the, the mode of your, your fights all through your career? Stop the takedown, beat him up on the feet? Yes, man. For, for, the, for the moment I walk in there, in the in the losing MMA, he told me that your he told me your fight career is gonna be all about defending now. Because my my as an amateur, my kickbox was already good. I was I was throwing good kicks fast. But, uh, he said that this, you're not gonna find too many guys who are gonna stand with you. So we, we gonna you have to be expert in defending now. So I I failed as an amateur. I I got I lost four fights. Like guys was able to take me down, dominate me on the ground. I couldn't I couldn't get up. But but as a pro, I I, I I told myself, I mean, this this can't help me. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the best wrestling around. I'm gonna wrestle my ass off, and and I still wrestling, but I still get beat up in the wrestling room. I mean, I can I can you can out wrestling people who've been wrestling forever, but I, I can make competitive. I can defend takedowns. I can I can I can keep the fight standing, and and I can hurt people when they when when they stand with me. Yeah, and, and so I'm curious, too, because, you know, you mentioned Joe Lozon. I know a lot of the guys who train out in the Lozon area are, are some of the smaller guys. Who are some of the wrestlers that you sort of rely on in order to work on that takedown stuff? Yeah, I, I, I moved them from Lozon MMA to Regiment Training Center, and we have a we have a, a great coach, wrestling coach, who's named Dan LePage. Very, very, very good. And I also wrestled with a guy from, from Brown University. We call uh, Ian Ian Butterbrook. I think he's number ten in the in the U.S. heavyweight. And I also have a, a middle a middleweight too named Pat McCrow. Mm. Very 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 good very good wrestler. So those was my wrestling base. I've been wrestling with them for like a couple of years. And, and so yeah, the, it's great that your wrestling's coming around, and clearly it's been a, a huge key to your success in pro fighting. But l- let's talk about this upcoming fight because Justin Taffa, I feel like, is a guy who has a very similar style to you. He likes the stuff to take downs. He likes to throw bombs in there. Are you excited to have that type of fight rather than the guy who's looking to take you down? Yes, I mean I've been waiting for this my whole life. This is the fight. If you want, if if you want to do your the UFC debut, this is the kind of fight you want. I mean I know I know he's gonna try to prove the point. I mean he that, that he's on his own country. He's gonna come to put on show, and I'm gonna do the same. I mean I hope we can keep this fight standing. We. And we, we can trade bombs and, and punch and kick. Because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to do an, uh, an excellent like UFC debut. So I want to be, I'm going to leave everything out there. 
we're certainly excited to see that kind of fight too. Now, I'm curious as to if looking at his striking, you see an area in particular where you hold a big advantage. Oh, I know. I think he's pretty good. I mean, actually, I think uh, I think he's pretty. He's a solid striker. He throw bombs. He throw fast hands, fast uppercuts, fast overhand, and and. Uh, but I'm going to be mixed it up. I mean, I'm going to be throw kicks. I'm going to be throw kicks to the body. I'm going to be throw. I'm going to do my combination in and out. And I'm I'm not really scared about take a point. So I'm going to be I'm going to test him because I know he's going to stand in front of me and throw bombs and because that's the style. I mean. He trained with the guys like that. That's what Tyson has to do. That's what my son do. So I mean, I, I hope we can do that. Me and him will stand in front of the um, middle of the cage and we throw bombs. We certainly love that too. Now I want to ask a question too because you know the UFC is coming to Boston, which is you know just right next to where you train. Two weeks after your fight here in Australia, are you upset maybe that you didn't get a chance to be on that card? Or are you excited to be traveling? You know, to some places where you've never been before. Yeah, we we asked for Boston first. I mean, I got a little upset, but then then I realized how big is that card. I mean, that's UFC 243, one of the biggest card of the year with a, with a two top middleweight uh, uh, headline the, the card. Sixty thousand people are gonna probably gonna be there, and plus a ton of people view. So that's my perfect debut. I mean, I I I definitely happy right now, and I'm very excited to be part of a big show like this. Absolutely. Now, I also know, too, that, you, you know, your daughter was at your fight at the Contender Series. It was heavily publicized. Uh, if you guys were watching on ESPN+, Plus, you know, you get to see the, the beautiful moment with your daughter afterwards. I, I got to imagine she probably can't travel to Australia with you or might not be traveling to Australia mm-hmm. with you. What What's that like, knowing that you're going to have to be away for a while? That's, that's killing me, though, man. I'm, I, was, I was doing my, 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 my I'm going to pack it up right now because we're flying tomorrow, and it does hurt me because, my perfect world would be like bring my daughter with me, but that's twenty four hour flight, and she has school, so she's already in the school seven days. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that to her. But I'm, I mean, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring her with me in my head and my heart, and, and I'm gonna leave everything there. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, this is Jorgen DeCastro who fights Justin Tafa at UFC two forty three this upcoming weekend. Jorgen, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, man, and, and, and don't blame, guys. It's going to be a good fight. And those interviews with Jorgen DeCastro and Jake Matthews are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social, is the one and only social media app for the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu enthusiast. Wait, what's that? Not just for the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu enthusiast anymore. Actually, Maroon Social is for all martial arts enthusiasts. So no matter what martial arts you train, you can now log your training sessions using a quick and easy application on your phone. Here's how simple it is. You just set up your profile. You put in what martial art you like to train, maybe even where you train, and things like your weight and belt level as well. And from there, they will help you track how often you train and whether or not that number is going up or down. It's also a great place to put the notes so you don't have to carry around that like soggy, sweat-covered notebook anymore. And... On top of all of that, they've got tons of other features, including the ability to log your competition. So I heavily suggest checking out the Maroon Social on app on whatever app service you use. Now, I'm Daniel Gumby-Ruin, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we've had a little bit of time off here for Jake Matthews, but he seems as confident as ever given his new focus on wrestling, and, and I'm confident in it. How about you? I'm right there with you, Gumby. The once uh, big prospect in Matthews, Hit a couple of speed bumps along the way, but adding wrestling to his game makes me 
I would say somewhat excited about a resurgence. Yeah, and and I've always been like I, I think his wrestling has always been right there, but like sort of a renewed focus on it for me. You know, going back to what we know really works, and, and I also like him at welterweight. I, and I've said this before; he's three and one at welterweight. Welterweight was the right move for him. He's a big-bodied guy, especially you know as he's gotten a little bit older, he's gotten even bigger. I think he's in the right spot. I think he's got the right plan. And, and now you know, with a new daughter, a little extra motivation, it's definitely going to be a time for a good run here for Jake Matthews. Well, we saw what having a kid did to Cowboy. He reeled <laughs> off like three wins in a row. So there, there actually might be something to that. Gumby, I am so excited to get to the main body of our show. Speaking of big bodies, we got a big-bodied show today, uh, and we're going to get right into three fights, one parlay, and one dog. But before we do, one, I would like you just to share for our fans, what were we able to provide people with last week with our gambling advice? Absolutely. So we gave you guys some gambling advice last week, including our parlay and dog pick. Uh, if you look back at our parlay pick, we took Jack Shore and Mahmoud Muradov, uh, which would have paid out at about plus 165 if you had bet that parlay alongside of us, which I bet that parlay. So I got that payout, but hopefully you guys did too. And we also said the dog to play was Ian Kudalaba betting off at plus 120. You could have gotten plus money on both those plays and both of them cashed out big. So you guys need to make sure that you are listening in to each and every pick we have in our three fights, one dog, and one parlay. So basically, you're welcome. We're good at what we do. And <laughs> to sum it all up, you're welcome. Who brings us this week's edition of Three Fights, One Parlay, and One Dog? All right, this weekend or this week's version of Three Fights, One Parlay, and One Dog is brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Head to rampagecoffee.com. Make sure you use promo code TURTLE20 to get 20% off all your coffee purchases. And let me tell you something. If you're trying to get up off the couch and into the gym, the best way to do it is the all-natural way with 100% organic sourced coffee, which is what a Rampage Coffee has. And if you need a little extra caffeine boost, their C4 brand has four times the caffeine of normal coffee. So check that out and check out their dark and medium roast as well at rampagecoffee.com. Listen, I got kids, okay? I live on caffeine, <laughs> and we're not just doing this because they sponsor the show. We happen to love the product. I have Rampage Coffee pretty much daily now, and uh, it's that shot in the arm I need towards the end of the day when the kids are just, you know, at their wildest. All right, let's get to three fights, one parlay, one dog, UFC 243. And really, we have to start with the main event. Let's just take it to this level, Gumby. If you know who these two fighters are and you're not excited for this fight, what are you doing? You're not an <laughs> MMA fan. It, just go watch ice skating. Go watch the newest edition of Law & Order SVU. You suck. Because this is one of the most exciting fights of the year, if not the last several years, we have Robert Whitaker, the champion, a minus 110 favorite. Actually, he's really not the favorite because the challenger, Israel Adesanya, is also at minus 110. Now, Whitaker is an interesting case. We last saw him in June of 2018, so almost approaching a year and a half. Got a big split decision win over Yoel Romero. Beat Romero before that, too, so two wins in a row over Yoel Romero and uh, has pretty much just been on a winning rampage since going to middleweight, since winning the title. 
so we all know what Whitaker brings to the table. Obviously a bit of a question mark with the layoff and coming back from an injury. Israel Adesanya, friend of the show, as is Robert Whitaker. This is such a fun battle from down under stars. Coming off a huge win over Kelvin Gastelum, one of my favorite fights of all time. Beat Anderson Silva, the legend before that, although not peak Anderson Silva, but that's neither here nor there. Beat Derek Brunson before that. He's undefeated in the UFC. Kind of a John Jones meteoric level rise to stardom for him. Who you got here? So I, I first of all, want to echo what you said about this this fight being a huge fight. Somebody shot out a, and I wish I, I, I need to like screenshot this when I see shit like this on Twitter. Somebody put out there on Twitter recently that if you look at their middleweight records in the UFC, it's 14 and 0. At middleweight, these two are a combined 14 and 0, which is just absolutely crazy when you think about this as a title fight. And it's one of the title fights that I think I have the least grasp in recent history over who's going to win. You know, like, I've been wrong about fights before, but going into the fight, this is the one I feel the least confident on. But at the end of the day, I think I'm taking Israel Adesanya, and I think the reason why is I I like the level of creativity he brings each and every time. He's so unpredictable, and in addition to being so unpredictable, I also think he has a distinct advantage of not having been punched in the head by Yoel Romero for 50 minutes. Um, and, and while that seems like a silly thing to put on Robert Whitaker, like we, we know that like punches sort of accumulate on the brain and, and that like people who get hit hard early in their career are more likely to be knocked out later. I guess Sonya has not really been tagged at any point in time. And some of that is the way that he moves and he's awkward and he's elusive and he's got good head movement. And, and I think all of that kind of stuff sort of plays into the fact that he probably won't be knocked out. And in addition to that, I think his creativity is just better here than, than Whitaker. And not that Whitaker can't be creative, but you, you sort of know what you're getting with Whitaker every time. Whereas every single time out, Idesanya seems like he has something new in his bag. You know, like when we saw him fight Brad Tavares, all of a sudden he was wrestling and he was wrestling successfully. And, and like other times, you know, you, you're seeing a new spinning attack or you're seeing an, a new kick added into there. And, and I think that that is going to throw Whitaker off enough that this winds up being a fight that Idesanya wins probably by five-round decision. So I agree with about 98% of what you said. I do think we saw Idesanya get tagged against Gastelum, though. They had some pretty crazy and heavy exchanges, but more or less the point stands. He's very tough to hit. Uh, can Whitaker hit him? Sure, but you're right. I think Idesanya holds the speed advantage. I think Idesanya holds the creativity advantage. If they got into a dogfight, a Randy Couture-esque dirty boxing Joe Rogan, hat-tipped Uncle Mike Goldberg, uh, you know, I would give that dogfight up against, pressed up against the cage to Whitaker, but I also don't want to sell short the fact that Ida Sanya's takedown defense is pretty stellar, really. Mm-hmm. We've seen multiple people try to take him down, and he does fine at getting the fight back to his feet, even if there is like a quick-ish takedown. But more or less, I've seen him defend takedowns uh, more than anything. I would call his takedown defense better than, let's say, even Connor early in his career. Um, so that all being said, I lead Idesanya to, lean Idesanya to, but anyone who tells you they really know what's going to happen You're in this crazy. match is a lie. Yeah. You're crazy. No one knows because we don't know what Whitaker's coming off the injury. And, you know, Whitaker, I probably give the power advantage to, but can he get that, you know, perfect shot on the temple or the chin? I don't know. And I can't wait to see it, and that's what makes it a great matchup. 
Absolutely. And, and the other thing, too, is that, like, you know, you sort of mentioned it. Like, I just found his biggest test has been Calvin Gaslam, who, you know, is a test. But but how much does that say about him? It, you know, and, you know, if we're drawing more question marks about how crazy this fight is, I, I think that that probably draws an extra question mark or two. You're right. You know, I actually think that brings up a good point. Uh, Bill Simmons, uh, the former ESPN writer, uh, who does he write for now? He has his own thing, right? Yeah. Grant I mean, Land? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. All right. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a New York guy. So I always had like a, a self or not a self hatred, but a hatred for Bill Simmons just because he's such a big Boston fan. But I always thought his writing was good and he brought up good points. And he always used to say, and I always loved this. You cannot judge a TV show until you've gotten to, like, episode six. And that always stuck with me because there have been a bunch of shows where you watch a couple of the first episodes, you're like, oh, this is great. And then it just you realize that it's pure trash, pure smoke and mirrors, and you're not going to make it even to the, you know, season finale of the first season. There is something to be said that Idasanya, what is this, his eighth fight in the UFC no, or his seventh? I think it's seven. Yeah, because because Whitaker's eight and zero, which makes him six and zero in the UFC. Yeah, he's six and zero in the UFC, right? So for me, you really, I think, in all fairness, at the highest level of the UFC, you don't know every facet of the game. You haven't seen them be tested till I would honestly say a minimum of eight, and I'm more comfortable at ten. Mm-hmm. We have not seen Ida Sanya in every type of fight yet. So we don't really necessarily know what happens if someone were to get him down multiple times or to win a ground and pound battle or whatever the case may be. So still don't know his full game yet. Absolutely. And I I think this is probably the fight where we'll be able to convincingly say, I know what Israel Adesanya is. Well, I know what Ally Aquinta is, and he's one of the more exciting fighters on the roster, really one of the better submission defensive guys on the roster. See the Habib fight if you need proof of that. Uh, developed a very good striking under Ray Longo, and he's fighting a massive up-and-coming, uh, almost past the, the point of prospect at this night, but just a great striker with knockout power, and Dan Hooker. This is another banger of a fight. This is something that could have headlined its own ESPN uh, fight night card or what have you. So that all being said, again, very close in Vegas here uh, or your local uh, sports gambling site. Uh, Ally Aquinta is a plus 110. Dan Hooker is a minus 135 favorite. Aquinta coming off a loss to Donald Cerrone, beat Kevin Lee before that. Lost to Habib in a title fight on short notice before that. Win over Diego Sanchez. So he is 2-2 and in his last four. Go back five. He has a split decision win over Jorge Masvidal. Don't fucking boo me. That's a very big win on the career, seeing how Masvidal's taken off since that fight. So if you want to go back in his last five, he's 3-2. and Dan fucking Hooker is coming off four, uh, I'm sorry, three knockouts in his last three wins. He's one. He's three and one in his last four. Four and one in his last five. He knocked out James Vick. He knocked out Gilbert Burns. He knocked out Jim Miller. These are impressive names, and a big submission guillotine win uh, via Mark Diacasey. He has a loss to Edson Barbosa via TKO to the body, but hey, Edson Barbosa kicks fucking hard. Who you got here? Uh, I'm going with Dan Hooker, and you know you said in there too that you know I keep this win over Jorge Masvidal looks extra good now that time has passed. How about Dan Hooker's win over Gilbert Burns, who's now gone up to 
to welterweight and has won two in a row, including just beating Gunnar Nelson up at, at welterweight. Like, Gilbert Burns looks every bit of a ranked welterweight right now. And at lightweight, he got starched by Dan Hooker. Like, put out by Dan Hooker. And, and I think that that knockout power is really what plays in here. And not only does the knockout power play in, but also the distance fighting. Like, Ayakinta seemed to have a real problem with Donald Cerrone fighting from distance and keeping distance. And he had trouble closing the distance on Cerrone, right? Like, so, Cerrone was picking him apart from a distance. If that's happening with Dan Hooker, you know, like, I, I like Ayakinta's chin. I like Al Ayakinta. But I don't see it holding up against a guy who drops bombs like this. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I have Dan Hooker here all here all day. I do, however, think that Ayakinta, you want to tell me he takes a decision win outpoints Dan Hooker? I could see that. You know, sometimes I get the feeling that Dan Hooker knows he has knockout power and swings for the fences. Uh, also, Ayakinta, the better wrestler of the two, mm-hmm. definitely the better submission defense. I might say Ayakinta is the better, more well-rounded fighter, the more experienced fighter. But that all being said, I, too, am going with Dan Hooker. We'll round out our third fight in three fights, a dog and a parlay, uh, with a heavyweight battle. Tai Tuivasa is on a two-fight losing streak. Lost to Junior Dos Santos, lost to Ivanov, uh, but beat Andre Arlovsky before that, beat Cyril Asker before that via TKO, uh, beat Rashad Coulter before that in his UFC debut. So he is 3-2 and two in his last five. But on a five-fight losing streak, uh, you can get him right now betting off at uh, minus 360, the favorite. Sergi Spivak making his second fight, his second walk in the UFC, is coming off a loss to Walt Harris via TKO. Uh, before that, he was an undefeated prospect in his uh, professional career. Nine and one is his professional record, the one loss being the Walt Harris, who are you taking here? Uh, I'm going with Taitu Vasa. There's a reason why he's that big of a favorite here. And the reason is quite simple is that sort of he's on this because, you know, like he became this favorite because Spivak is almost the type of opponent in there that they're trying to give him an easy fight on. And I know that that sounds cruel, but like if you look at Sergei Spivak's record before he comes to the UFC, it's not that he didn't fight veterans and he just fought newbies. But he did fight, like, journeymen on journeymen, right? Like, he fought Tony Lopez, you know, like, 100-fight Tony Lopez. He fought Travis Fulton, the dude who's fought, like, 300 times. Like, Sergei Spivak is a guy who beat up on, like, a couple of journeymen on the outside. And I really don't see any skill that he has that is going to play well enough in the UFC that he hangs around for a really long time. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I just mean, like, you know, he's a good regional-level fighter who doesn't, seem to pose any threats to somebody like Tai Tuivasa, who has crazy knockout power, uh, surprisingly good cardio for a man of his physique. I just think Tuivasa, you know, stuffs any takedowns he tries, and in the meantime, just absolutely lights him up on the feet. Well, we lit up our parlay and our dog last week. Let's get to that this week. Who's our parlay? 
Alright, so for our parlay, I'm going to do a two-fight parlay again, since it worked so well last week. I'm going with Brad Riddell, who's fighting Jamie Malarkey. He's betting off at negative 130. I really like Brad Riddell as a dude with a ton of kickboxing experience, and he's training out of city kickboxing alongside Israel Adesanya and all the other killers they got there. He looks real good. He's the type of guy who sits down on his punches, um, and I like the way his body kicks look, too. So, I'm going to take him, and I'm going to pair that with Maki Pitolo, Coconut Bombs himself, who's fighting Cal and Potter. He's betting off at negative 250, which is a pretty big favorite, but I think it's also a safe favorite there. He's a guy who just came off the Contender Series, knocked out Jalen, or uh, no, not Jalen Turner. He knocked out the Northeast Regional guy. Uh, now nah, the name's not going to come to me, but he came off the Contender Series, got a big knockout pretty quick, and when you take two guys with power like that up against guys who are going to take a lot of punches to the head, and Malarkey, and certainly Potter looking for his takedowns is going to get hit in the head. Pairing those two guys together seems like it makes a lot of sense. And if you put those two numbers together, that's going to give you a plus 150 payout, which is really nice to get one and a half times back your pay. I like that a lot. Uh, I think people should be thanking us for this great parlay <laughs> advice. Now let's hear the dog. All right, so there actually aren't a lot of underdogs I like in this card. I went through the list, and, and there's probably only one or two that I see that are playable here. But the one I do like the best is Nadia Kesem. So if, if you look at Nadia Kesem in her career, she's a very good finisher for her size and weight class. Um, you don't see a lot of women at, at 115 or 125 who are finishing fights, but she's one of those ones who does... In her second fight, she lost to Montana De La Rosa, which certainly there's no shame in that. She got out grappled by her, and really, that's that's her big weak spot, is that she's she's not the best grappler in the world. But here she's fighting Ji Yong Kim, who has attempted one takedown in her four UFC fights. She's been in the cage for an hour and only tried one takedown. So with that being said, this is going to be a stand-up battle, which means Kasim is going to be in her her place where she likes to fight she can sort of dictate the pace she's got great front kicks and i think she either picks away at, at eg on kim for a while and picks up a decision here i could actually also see her getting offensive with her grappling and picking up the submission here i think the price of plus 145 which is almost as good as you can get that two fight parlay that we just mentioned before that price is awesome for somebody like nadia kesem so if you see that at whatever bookmaker you use make sure you jump on it Make sure you jump on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Give us a thank you for this great advice. Let us know what you think of the show. We're accepting both love and hate feedback currently. Or you can yell at us if this gambling advice really fucks you up this weekend. But guess what? I don't think it will. And at the very least, we hope you found this entertaining. Gumby, that's going to wrap up the show. Why don't you take us home, do any house cleaning we need to hear about, and, uh, you know, overall, just take us home. Of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for listening in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our three sponsors, Rampage Coffee, Maroon Social, make sure to download the Maroon Social app, and a story about a fight from Rumination Films. Make sure to check out their Indiegogo campaign. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without them either. And we want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. There's always good stuff and good content coming out there as well as new articles based on maybe some of the interviews you heard early on. So make sure to check those out as well. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte and we will see you next week.